How's everybody? You good? Happy Mother's Day. It's good to be a mother. Here's what I tell my friends, my guy friends too, and I heard it at a football banquet one time, but so there's actually mothers here, but there's a lot of mothers here too. So happy Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day, and happy, happy, happy Mother's Day to those of you that are here in Jesus' name. I'm glad you're here. It's good to be back. We're going to recap a little bit today. We're going to go over some stuff from um, 1 Peter. I felt like I missed some stuff in the very opening chapter. And so I want to go back. God, through the three weeks or whatever I was gone, the month I was gone, there's just some stuff that I want to reiterate and get back over that, that God highlighted to me in my quiet time. But as we celebrate Mother's Day, I want us all to... We live in this crazy time. Like right now, I don't know about you, but I get sent reels. So I have some very patriotic friends in America. And so, of course, we live in this crazy time globally, but especially in America, it seems as if things are collapsing at a rapid pace because of things that they're doing, right? Now, the enemy just tries to throw that at us, but there is reality to to some of it that we've talked about in weeks past of being, of ushering in the end times and things that the Bible talks about. So you know that there's this border crisis, there's all kind of stuff like that, people trying to get across, so people are sending stuff, and you can, you just kind of get caught up in the moment of, I don't know, like furious almost. Like you just get caught up in it, it's like a weird vibe. I was reading Dr. Carolyn Leaf's book, and she talks about how the brain actually works and how she takes a passage of scripture, and we've all heard this scripture in 2 Corinthians. You ever heard that? Bad company corrupts. You all know that one? It really doesn't have anything to do with the friend that you think is not a good friend for your kid. It's actually across the board for everyone. But there's actually a neurological proof to that. And what that neurological proof is, is the stronger vibe that's sent off by the stronger personality will actually alter and change the weaker personalities that will actually corrupt them into following what that stronger personality sends off. It's scientifically proven. So if you're a strong believer in Christ, you could have a major influence without even speaking words to people who aren't in the crowd because they'll all automatically start to be drawn to that emotion that's being electrically vibed out, however. There's, lo- there's, there's bigger neurological words. So, bad company corrupts. Well, when I start getting flooded with all these videos, I can find myself just like you. You can find yourself starting to get drawn into the bad, like the, oh yeah, I need to be concerned. Oh yeah, it really is getting bad. Oh, it really is horrible. And then anxiousness wells up within you. You start wondering what kind of crap is actually going to happen today. You have a hard time sleeping because, of course, with the downfall of the U.S. border, it's going to be the downfall of the U.S. dollar. When the U.S. dollar goes away, it's going to affect all of the Americas and all of your savings accounts and everything that you have are just going to go away. There's going to be no more of this and no more of that. And then where do you find yourself if you get caught up in that? In a great, big, anxious ball. 
And so we talked a little bit last night at a meeting that we had last night about distractions and some are healthy and some are not good. The same thing with this border, that everything is a strategic piece that the enemy uses and he uses governments to put in place. And I wanna to propose to you something. When I first left Belize a few weeks ago, I was over there and I was speaking at some band of brothers and then speaking at different events and, and talking with people and doing whatever we can, something took place. You guys know what it was? It has to do with mothers. Crazy. The transgender dude, he's a dude. He's not a chick, nor will he ever be a chick. He is a dude. <coughs> and Bud Light put him on the can of one of their Bud Light beers, right? Budweiser put him on the can. And man, people went ballistic, right? Did you guys get that? Did you guys see that down here? Guys blowing up cans, people. I was talking to business owners that were like, we will no longer sell anything Budweiser. It was crazy in America. Their Bud Light sales dropped down below. I, I, and again, I'm not going to let this, because this, this goes into something. The guy is a guy. He's a dude. And as we stand here this morning <laughs> and celebrate you ladies, I was highly offended that some people put this dude as a representative of my wife. And this dude mocked women, the way he prances around and does his stuff. And I'm like, this is the LGBTQ. This is the, <coughs> the transgender community. It is a straight up assault. Now listen to me, not on you. Not on you. It's not even an assault against you as ladies. It's not an assault on the white male who is responsible for all the ills of the world. It's not a responsible on BLM. It's none of it. The black community, no. This assault is clearly and directed at the image of God. Women are created in the beauty and the image of God and that beauty when God took the rib, put Adam to sleep and took femininity out of man. Did you hear, listen to what I'm saying. He took femininity out of man and placed it wholly into the woman when he created her in the beautiful image of himself in the femininity that God has. There is no way you can have femininity and it not come from God. Just like there's no way you can have masculinity and it not come to God. So the God of the Bible, though we call him he, has the same amount, and I can't explain it, this will make people hate me for saying this, but I cannot explain it. I did, we don't have the words to say that the God of the Bible, Yahweh, has as much femininity in him that he does masculinity, but it's perfect. And so we get in society, male and female, male and female. There is no transgender God. There is no binary, non-binary God. He is male and female. This assault is against him and him alone. 
And I have to say this, and it's been sad to see, but I don't know why. And this isn't hatred. I'm not going after and saying, I hate the elders. I'll die for people that choose that life. They're human beings. I love them. I do not agree with their lifestyle, and you cannot tell me that I don't love them because they can't tell me I don't love them because I don't agree with them. It's just like my daughter hates cheese. I love cheese. But when I tell her that I love cheese and you're a dork for not liking cheese, it doesn't mean that I hate her. I would die for her. She's choosing not to eat goodness. Same with coffee. If you don't like coffee, I can't help you. There's something wrong with you, but I would die for you. I would give up my life for you because you're a human being created in the image of God. So this is not an assault to say, oh, church, rise up, be hate-filled. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's actually for us to recognize that there is an assault and the enemy is becoming so bold that he's assaulting the image of God in you as women. And I am appalled. And I've, I've felt this way for years. I haven't really said it, but I am... I, the greatest compliment I get is when people say to me, you don't look like a pastor. I go, oh, thank God. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Sometimes I'll ask them, well, what does a pastor look like? They'll go, well, you know, he kind of, he doesn't shoot guns. He's not, conf he doesn't confront people. I go, okay, okay, well, I confront people. I shoot guns, right? And I heard that you smoke cigars. Yep, I like cigars. Yeah, I smoke cigars. Yep, they're good. They're great. They help you understand the word better. Just kidding. They make you more holy. Like the old school preachers were always smoking cigars. Like, oh, yes, I get it now, Lord. Right? Occasionally, I like to have a bourbon with good friends or my family or a glass of wine with my wife. Well, pastors don't do that. I go, oh, they don't. So what does a pastor look like to you? Well, he's meek and he's mild. I go, ah, no, not mild, maybe meek. I'll agree with you with meek. Do you understand what the word meek means? Most people don't understand what the word meek means. The word meek is power under control, which means the meek pastor is a very ferocious pastor that Moses was not to be trifled with. He was a meek man. No one messed with him. Why? Because Moses would also confront. And what they describe to me is somebody they can control. Listen to me. They describe to me someone they can control at the pulpit. Well, what is the job of a pastor? <laughs> is my job to control you? Absolutely not. That is the most gross. It is gross. And the person should not be behind the pulpit. My job is to equip you for the work of the Lord, to deliver the message of God that God's given to me for you, for his glory, not for mine, for the direction of his kingdom, not my kingdom, and to bring glory and honor to him by the words I speak and the truth of him. That's my job. So when someone says you don't look like a pastor or they want to control a pastor, basically what they want to do, and this is what I say to them boldly, I say this to them, well, 
I guess the Jesus you serve and the Jesus I serve are two completely different people. Huh? What are you? Oh, you're judging me? No, no. <laughs> I'm merely putting the pieces together is you serve a Jesus that you can control and the things in the Bible that you don't like, you skip and you won't say it and now you have a Jesus that you can control. So I thank you for that. I, I thank you that I don't look like a pastor because it actually draws me closer to Jesus because when Jesus was on this earth, all of those Pharisees and Sadducees and religious morons hated him and he got after them. He didn't get after the prostitutes. He didn't get after the drug users. He didn't get after the thieves. As a matter of fact, he looked at the thief and said, today, because of your belief, you'll be with me in paradise. And all those who stood looking upon him and judging him today, according to our word, are not in the presence of Yahweh. My point being this, I have never, I guess I've been pastoring for 25, 26 years, I guess, or in ministry, grew up in the church. I have never seen the fire cell on the pulpit like I've seen today globally. But there are people, one of the fastest growing churches in America is run by a gay man in Georgia. If it, it, when have we sold and made marriage a political viewpoint that now I can't speak about as a pastor because it's political? And remember, don't bring religious and politics into it. The pulpit. I got after it a few years ago and got a bunch of people all mad at me because I was in a regular church and I was talking to them and, and the hot word at the time, and it's kind of bringing itself back now, is bullying. That word is not a new word for today in 2023. That thing reared its head in about 2005. Bullying, bullying, and I heard it in the halls of churches. Pastors preaching on bullying, bullying. You know my response to a bully? Men. I don't need Jesus to take a magic wand, <coughs> circle it up, and make bullying go away. God already gave us the answer to bullying. He gave us the cure. It's called men. It's called that young boy that stands up in the schoolyard when four or five others are bullying and one boy will stand up in the face of all of them to defend that one and go, I will beat every one of you one by one. You will not take, you will not pick on this child or my friend. That's the answer God gave us. As men, do we teach our children? Oh, oh no, 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 don't teach your kids that. Let your boys be feminine. Teach them to be nurturers. Hey, the only time I want my son or your sons to be nurturers is if, listen to me, this is very important. The only time I want them to be that way is if they have to be that way because of the loss of somebody and God brings that in and as soon as he fills that void, I want those boys to be masculine again. Why? It's the way God created them to be. 
because we don't have it in our nature to be that nurturer. We are masculine as men. Our job is to do what? Is to make sure that the evils in this world do not get to depict and direct the life and how our homes are run. That's a man's job. I will not let that in my home. My son, if he falls and scrapes his knee, does it hurt? Great, I'll love you, let me give you a hug. Now, if you want it fixed up, I'll put something on it, but I don't care. Have you ever seen a mother and a father work on a scraped arm? Honestly, have you ever? <coughs> Here's how we do it. We go, oh, how's that going? Looking good? I take some iodine. Oh, don't use iodine, that burns really bad. Yeah, I don't care. So I take some iodine, I squirt it on there. Ah! Hey, hey, suffer in silence, boy. Suffer in silence. Jesus, it's biblical. The Bible says Jesus suffered in silence, right? Just saying. And then we take a cotton ball or something or a rag and we go, got to get the dirt out. And we go, and then we don't rinse it with water. Now that it's really stirred up, a dude will then take more iodine and go, and then we'll go, hey, blood makes the grass grow, go play. A mom? Oh, dab, 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 cotton ball, hydrogen peroxide, dab, 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 cool water. Does it hurt? Let me, I'll blow on it. That make it feel better? I'll blow on it. We are vastly different for a reason. And there is an assault on you and eyes. Let me say this. I'm passionate about this. Your papa and my papa, the world is going after. And there's so many men and women behind the pulpits that don't have the courage to stand up in truth and proclaim truth because they're more worried about the opinions of you. It's not what Peter says. Ladies, I celebrate you. I'm going to tell you this right now as mothers. I'm going to tell you this is truth. You've heard jokes about this, but it is the truth. If a dude, if Adam was able to have a baby, there would be no human race. Adam would have had one kid. This is how we are as guys. Adam would have had one kid and said, nope, we're done. We're done with this. No way it ever happened again. I ain't doing that. There's something about dudes. We're like, not into that kind of pain. Uh-uh. Ladies, you bring life into this world. There's so much I could talk about with just the beauty of it. Let me say this real quick for ladies. All of you at home. Eve was deceived. First, first, Adam went along with the deception. God's like, I feel like God's going, preach it, baby. Eve was deceived first. And I know there's a lot of weirdo men out there and all that stuff. And I've joked about it. Like if I was Adam, I'd have turned her in. I'd have been like, yo, yo, Papa, can I get Julie or Lisa? Or something, because Eve messed up, right? 
The problem is that she was deceived first. She did it first. She brought the curse in first. She ate it first. The problem is with us as men, it showed that without the guidance of God, the moment a man takes his eyes off of God, he becomes a coward. That's what's happening in the world today. Because the Bible says that Adam was not off somewhere hunting and providing for Eve. He was standing there watching this whole event take place. It was an act of cowardice. Honestly. But Eve sinned first. You want to see the grace of God in you as women? You want to see the redemptive value of God? We see that the redemptive value for man is that God said, I will send my son who is not a coward to die upon the cross for you. And he will shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And it's redemptive. We see that, right? The first Adam, the second Adam, Jesus, it's all great. Have you ever thought about this? I want you to think about this for a moment. Where's the redemptive value with Eve? Where's the, where's the thing with Eve when God says, hey, I love you. I don't hold it against you any longer. You're redeemed. As he allowed his son to be born from a woman. The son who shed his blood for the forgiveness of all mankind shows the redemptive value of God towards us as men. Men. That covers the entire populace of male and female. But the woman, he says, oh, you'll feel the price. You'll feel the pain of childbirth but I don't hold it against you. I will actually bring life to this earth through you. You have a special plan with me. Think about that. How grace-filled God is. And he doesn't hold. The forgiveness has taken place. Celebrate all of you ladies that have given birth. Celebrate. Do you know how many cures of diseases have been brought forth through the birth of a child? The theory Einstein was born, his theories have helped us go to space through a woman. You guys tracking what I'm saying? Siri isn't. I gotta turn this off. Siri just said, one moment. It's the government listening to me. So I want to say, as we go, if we go on today, I wanna move away from celebrating you. We have some more stuff for you as ladies. But I want you to say, I mean, I wanna say this to you. We as men are gonna stand up and fight this fight. At least I am. And I know the band of brothers are. And we're going to be bold and we're going to take hits. But the people that should be really furious about this whole stuff, who are idly standing by and should not be idly standing by, are you ladies. The assault on who God created you to be, and they're trying to remove that from you and tell you, you're not a mother, you're a birthing person. You're not feeding your child, you're a feeder. That our world would take a man who dresses like a woman and parade that 
person as the symbol of women is offensive to me. And it should be to you. The beauty in which God created you. You guys tracking? Don't tolerate that. It's not what it's supposed to be. Peter says in 1 Peter, I want to jump down a little bit to 1 Peter um, chapter 1. I want us to go into this, and we're going to rapidly move through into the second chapter today because I'm going to recap some of this that we've gone over. But there's this really interesting word. In verse 5, it says, and, though, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be um, revealed on the last day for all to see. Okay? Check this out. Peter is talking to a group of believers in 1 and 2 Peter, like we've talked about. He's talking to believers who are going through major trials at this moment in history where the world is turning against those who follow Jesus. If you love Jesus, the, the world is turning against you. And people are having to make a decision. Do I follow the world or do I follow Jesus? Do what I'd rather live comfortably or would I rather stand in what is truth? I believe this, the world, as bad as the rest of the world is globally, Belize has it pretty good. Yeah, we've got some suck factors here, but we've got it pretty good here. America has it really, really good. Canada has it really, if you have it so good that you complain about being late to soccer practice because of traffic on the road, there's something wrong there. Think about it for a second. There's so many cars on the road that you couldn't make, get your kid to soccer practice. That tells me that you have an abundance of wealth. Because everyone owns a car. I believe what's happening in the world, it's my own personal opinion, is we're a bunch of crybabies and we've been spoiled rotten by God. And now that we've been spoiled rotten so much by God, we will not fight that thing that is evil, that is trying to take from us because we would rather have comfort than to look at evil for the next generation and fight it and kill it. We would rather be comfortable. I don't know. If I say this, I might lose my job. If I do, listen to this, I go through it too. I had this, I am guilty of this. And I get people that get counsel. I have counsel like you. And I, I would tell you guys, if you don't have a group of men that you can ask questions to and get counsel from, ladies, the same way, something's wrong. You need to check yourself. You need to have these people. So we're fundraising. There's so much we want to do to advance the kingdom of heaven here in Belize and globally. We have so much we want to do with expanding this and putting it on. Nicer for you. Nicer for this community. We can do more stuff to promote Jesus. We can do prophetic events, worship events, all kinds of stuff, right? So I get these comments, and I want to go on Facebook sometimes and throw out comments towards people and really blast people. But then in my mind, I go, oh, you know what? So-and-so told me I got to look at my donor base. Think about that. I am, I'm not pointing fingers at you. Speak at an event, someone will say, man, 
I don't know what you were saying like that. That was kind of controversial. It's what God told me to say. Yeah, but you know, it's all about the donor base. Don't, don't offend the Democratic in America, the Democratic vote donors. Don't offend them. Don't offend the, the hyper-Republicans that are just as bad as the hyper-Democrats because they're big donors. And I go to the Word and I read this passage. Peter is speaking about to us as people in the last days. Here's what he says. Through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the day, on the last day for all to see. The word protecting is the Hebrew word, fruweo. That Hebrew word is a military term. It's military. It's not a mother protecting a child or a father protecting a child. It's a military term that is a picture of a sentry, a group of soldiers standing guard as protection against the enemy. You get that? So Peter says, God is protecting you. Your faith, he's protecting you. Through your faith in God, he's protecting you. It's as if he lines up a legion of angels around you and says, speak the truth and don't worry about what anyone says because I've got your back. And if they take $100 from you, I'll give you 1000 Speak the truth. If that's what you're worth, I feel for you. There's a, a clip on it. I'm not up to speed with all this technology stuff, but in the movie Family Man, and I've done it in my leadership courses, and I want, I'm just going to describe the movie clip. There's a part where Nicolas Cage is this rich, rich guy, and then he bumps into an angel one day, and the angel makes him this poor guy who just has to work every day, and he has a regular family, and he's, he's just... He's, selling tires and he goes from living in the penthouse driving Ferraris to driving a family van and he's just he grows to love that lifestyle well he goes to buy ice right to or uh, salt to throw on icy roads and he picks up this bag of ice he goes into a convenience store and he looks and he goes a dollar 97 jeez for a bag of salt and as he walks up to the counter he sees that the guy behind the counter, the checker, is actually the angel that made him this guy. And but before him, he so, so he's holding this ice and he starts to say something. And the angel says, wait a second. And he looks at the girl and he goes, that'll be 99 cents. That'll be 99 cents. And so she hands him a dollar for the so, soft drink. The angel opens a cash register and he goes, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and the penny makes ten. And she looks at him, and she looks at the money, and she looks at him, and then she goes, and she walks out of the store, and he looks at Nicolas Cage. He says, There's the problem. She sold herself for nine dollars. 
we're worth. There isn't enough gold and money on the face of the earth, the Bible tells us, for you. There is not enough for you and I. There is not a price that can be paid for just one of us on this earth. Yet, we, because of fear of the world, fear what we're being taught, fear of all this, if we stand up and we take a hit for $1,000, listen to me, and I know this is difficult, so this is between you and God. But is that all you're worth? Not long ago, I stood before a general, a corrupt chaplain, depraved, depraved. And they said to me, and the, the chaplaincy stuff opens a lot of doors for us here. And they told me I, I have to do two things. They said, you have to, you have to not only counsel women alone, which I will not do for any of you. I don't care. The only woman that gets counseled alone in my circle is my wife and my daughters. That's it. None of, no one else of you are getting me alone, ever. And if you do, know this, there's something wrong. The second thing is, is that I would have to perform marriages in the LGBTQ community. And I took off my rank. I took my flag off. I held it in my hand. What? And I said, I will resign my commission before I give you my principles. Whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you know within three months, that, off, that chaplain was out, corruption and scandal, and there was a new general in, and that general loved Jesus. What are you worth? We devalue ourselves when we don't think we're protected. When you are the only one that you feel it's just you, ladies, I apologize for men who haven't protected you well. And men, I apologize for ladies who have betrayed you. Honestly. It's a two-way street. Ladies, you don't get a free pass. And dudes, you don't get a free pass. And I, rep, I rail up more on the men around here than I do the ladies. So here's the deal. But when you don't feel protected, when you feel that you're the only one that can protect yourself, you have to start to make decisions for the protection of not only you, but your children and the things around you. And you're having to make decisions that a man should have to make. Or as a father without a mother is trying to make decisions that's out of his realm with the nurturing of a child. And so what happens when we don't feel protected, we begin to devalue ourselves for the value of what someone will give us to fulfill the need of our protection. Does that make sense? We're throwing that out the window today. The Bible says that through your faith, God is protecting you. Through your faith in Jesus Christ, God is protecting you and he has a century of angels that stand guard over you so that you are able to be his son and daughter and proclaim his truth to a world 
that's trying to put a blanket over a light. See guys, there's reason I could go all day, I could ramble all day long. What, what does it mean when Jesus said, we are a light on a hill. Don't take your light and put it under a basket. There's a reason why God says all that. They're not just cute, cute Sunday school stories and they're not cute things for a pastor to give you these neat little answers. It's deeper than that. One of my greatest struggles in teaching you is, God, how do we make it? How do, how do I, Lord, how do I make, how is the story in the story for all of you? How do we make it so real to them that they see the realness of you in their skin? And then they wrestle with the things that are controversial that I say. But they don't take the question to me. They take the question to you. And then you, Holy Spirit, by that beautiful dilemma that only you can do, can answer them in their question. Through your word, and yes, sometimes through pastors or friends who love Jesus, but in accordance to the word. God is saying, I'm protecting you so that you won't put a bushel. Think about what the world says to do. The world says, you've been given a candle and the candle's lit, but cover it because it might get blown out. What good is it? Jesus said, what good is a candle? It would, it would be better for it to be blown out. If you blow it out, it saves wax. I can take it and give it to somebody who will actually use it to walk down a trail. But the world tells you, no, put a bushel over it. Protect the candle. Oh, does it sound familiar? A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a hill is what to weary travelers? I just have done this trip. I did that whole trip from California all the way to Texas, then through Mexico. I'm telling you, when you hit the barren areas of Texas where you are driving for hours and there is no light, and when you see a light up in the distance, but your gas tank is on E, the E light kicks on, and you have no internet service, so you, because we've all become victims of this. It was like, ah, there's no service, I don't even know how far, till the next, ah! Man, when you see a light in the distance, what does it bring to you? Hope! A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Why can't it be hidden? Because it's hope to a lost world for those who are in darkness to look up and see light. The world is trying to silence you and I. Does it sound familiar? The parables are all the same. Jesus says what? He says, hey, it's like this. I give this guy a bag of gold, this guy a bag of gold, and this guy a bag of gold. The one guy thinking he's cool because the world says, hey, you need to save it for a rainy day. And you don't want to piss off God or your master, so go bury it in the ground and don't be responsible, but pretend to yourself, lie to yourself, and tell you you're actually doing something with the gold the whole time you're complaining to God that you don't have anything. You tracking here? So I bury it. I have all this gold that he says, just make money. God says, just make money with it. If I gave you $10,000, when I come back, if there's $10,001, I'll be happy at least you were using it. But you bury it in the ground, and you cover it up, and then you stress, God, I'm being a good, faithful servant with what you gave me, and I'm not letting it. Why? Because God knows he gave you the money to make other people's lives different by investing and risking, and that's where the risk comes from. 
Why? Because that money will bring hope to somebody else. It's not about you. It's not about me. The other two take it and they invest it. They risk. They take investment. They risk their gifts. God comes back and he looks at the one guy who has the same amount of money that he was given. And what does God say to him? What is your problem? You're the worst servant of all, of all time. Because you knew I was giving you something that could change the lives of other people. And you buried it. That, that, I believe it transforms into your spiritual gifts as well as your physical gifts. Are you burying them? How much are you worth? Peter's telling us in the word, hey, can you turn it up just a tad so I'm not yelling into this? Just turn it up a little bit so I'm not yelling into it. Is that better? Can you guys hear? Okay. What Peter's telling us here is he's saying, as we go into these rough days, you're protected and you don't have to sell yourself. You don't have to sell yourself to the GOB to the United States of America. You don't have to sell yourself to your job. You don't have to sell you. You are protected. Why? This is what's important. Through your faith in Jesus Christ. Don't think because you come to church you're protected. Don't think because you give some money in the box that you're protected. He is clear. He is clear to say that through your faith, it just motivates God. So be truly glad, he says, there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. Guys, can I say this to you? Life sucks sometimes. It really does. There are times that life is just suck. But when you make it out of the suck, isn't the first meal or the first time that you've made it out of the suck, like let's say you've been struggling financially for a little bit. And when you come out of that financial trouble and you have a little bit extra, instead of being able to cook just ramen and rice or ramen, but you're able to actually get meat and you're able to actually buy soda pops to put on the table and you're able to actually make a cake, isn't that meal better? Isn't the joy, even though it's little, isn't the joy of that meal like, it's like you're at the fanciest, it's like you're at Copal Tree. Like we can actually buy bacon. God loves bacon. Those of you that aren't meat eaters right now are going, see, God is warning you for not liking bacon, for like, for promoting bacon. Okay. So be glad, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold through your faith, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through you many trials, we're all gonna get hit. But when your faith stands strong, listen to this, it will bring you much praise and glory 
and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I'm a, I don't understand this, and I don't claim to understand this. But something's going to happen when he reveals himself. Jesus is going to do something. I believe is some of it we've been taught wrong, myself included. But there's something here that Peter knows that we don't, that the prophets even struggled with. He talks about in a moment. That at the end of days, when our faith is strong, as Jesus comes back and he's revealed as a Savior, he's going to go, and he's going to point at you. And everyone who mocked you, and everyone who tried to buy you, and everyone who tried to put a bushel on your life, and you stood and resisted that, it's like he's saying here, Jesus is going to whistle, and point at you, and everyone has to look at you. Now think about this. They're going to look at you. You love him. This is what it says. Jesus Christ revealed the whole world. You love him, and though you have never seen him, though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. It's as if God says on that end day, they're coming with me. Listen to me. I find this stuff in the Bible all the time. I'm not going to make doctrine out of it or denominational views, but it's how I see the word. I see in this, what Peter is saying right here, I see the thief. I see the thief on the cross. And I see you and I as the thief who has been redeemed by our belief and our truth in him and our faith in him. And he says to the thief on the cross, hey, remember the thief is like, he won't sell himself. Even though they're going to kill him, he knows he's dying. And he says, this guy didn't do anything, man. We deserve what we're getting. And I believe that he is the son of God. And Jesus says to him, Ah, today, today, I'll see you in paradise. We'll be together in paradise today, me and you, me and you. What does that sound like? Doesn't it sound a lot like welcome home, good and faithful servant? Doesn't it sound like a picture, this pre-picture of on earth what it's going to look like in heaven? Right here. And he shows the whole world. Those who said you were the fool for trusting in Jesus. You were the fool for not selling yourself. You were the fool on the end of days. God says to you and I, no, look at them. They're not the fool. And don't make Jesus politically correct because in essence he's saying you're all the fools. Because you had it all. And you sold it for this. It's beautiful. It's your value this salvation, this is what's interesting to me. 